Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted a ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard I'm Ryan Gable, 
and you are listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. My personal page is Ryan Gable. And check us out on the website at www.thesecretteachings.info.info. It's almost that time of the year again. For some of you, it's an exciting time of the year. For some people, it's an obsessive time of the year. As we move into the end of June and into July, right in the dead of summer... And the beginning of July to mid-July is a time in which people will always remember the Roswell incident. On July 8th of 1947, the Roswell Daily Record newspaper published an infamous headline about the Air Force capturing a flying saucer on a ranch in the Roswell region. And this has become, at least in the United States, our most famous so-called encounter with UFOs and aliens, although there have been many other incidences that should warrant far more investigation and far more interest. For example, the Phoenix Lights in the late 90s is probably the most well-documented and most well-viewed series of UFO incidences that took place over more than a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months even. But Roswell is what sticks with us. We remember Roswell in 1947. Even those of you who, like myself, were not alive at any point relative to Roswell. I was born in 1991. But when I first became interested in studying paranormal activity, metaphysics, and UFOs, the first thing that I found was Roswell. And any conference I've ever been to that has to do with UFOs or aliens or something to that effect, it's always about Roswell. There are, of course, other people that talk about other things, but Roswell is always the the staple. If you were buying groceries, you buy the milk and the bread. That's your staple. Well, in ufology, Roswell is your milk and bread. Roswell, that's your carton of eggs. You have to have Roswell. Well, there are some people, like myself, who, although I can respect any credible or any relevant information pertaining to Roswell, Roswell, to me, from the very beginning when I first started learning about this kind of stuff when I was probably middle middle of the road high school, between 10th and 11th grade. I was reading books on aliens. Little, It was more sci-fi based, of course, but Roswell was uh, even incorporated into a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, fictional books. So I learned about Roswell. And I didn't really understand. I mean, I've read books on Roswell, I've, I've watched documentaries on Roswell, but there's something about Roswell that I just didn't understand, and that is why Roswell has been 
turned into almost like a, it's like a singular event when the, the story of Roswell itself was not a singular event. There were reportedly multiple so-called crashes. Some people believe that there was a, a battle going on between the military and aliens. And that goes back even before Roswell. That goes back into to May of 1947. There were dozens and dozens of uh, aircraft that, were, that crashed mysteriously, that disappeared mysteriously. And in fact, uh, Kenneth Arnold, the man from Boise, Idaho, where I used to live, Kenneth Arnold is the guy that came up with the term flying saucer because he said they kind of skipped like saucers on water. And so the newspaper at the time picked that up and said, oh, look, they're saucers that are flying. They're flying saucers. And that's where we get the idea of flying saucers from Kenneth Arnold. But Kenneth Arnold was looking for a downed plane that had went missing up near Mount Rainier. And that's where around that time period, that's where, uh, the idea of flying saucers came from, and it was because of planes that had gone missing, planes that had crashed, planes that had mysteriously disappeared, leading some to speculate that the year of 1947, prior to Roswell, was um, the start of uh, kind of like a war or a battle between extraterrestrials and, uh, and humans. And of course, you know, you have the Second World War, you have things like the Foo Fighters, and you have the ghost rockets, and very mysterious objects. There are a lot of declassified military reports of objects that are unidentified near military installations, sensitive military installations. Of course, nuclear missile silos. I'm sure many of you have heard those stories before where weapons systems are deactivated remotely weapon systems i even heard a story about weapon systems that were activated to the point of launch and then deactivated and then that takes us back even further to 1945 and the dropping of two atomic bombs on japan and even prior to that the testing of atomic weaponry and the fear that some scientists had or at least the justifiable concern that some scientists had that detonating nuclear weapons would indeed attract the attention of other advanced species, other advanced life forms in our galaxy, perhaps even in our solar system, but in our galaxy at the very least, and alert them to our presence. So some people feel as if aliens are, they're here to monitor us to make sure we don't destroy ourselves. I don't find that to be uh, an acceptable explanation myself, but maybe. Uh, I don't buy the Stephen Greer story that all aliens are good. I just don't buy that. That makes me kind of think Stephen Greer is an alien, (laughs) and he's he's trying to convince us that he's good, which makes, makes me think that maybe they're not so good. You know, but it's like, you know, Jim Mars said years ago when we had him on the show, he's like, you know, and it's really obvious, you know, it's clear. Uh, you, you can't treat all aliens the same if there are all these species of aliens, because that would be like saying all humans are the same. You know, you have Russians and you have Chinese and you have, you have uh, you know, Canadians and Mexicans and Latinos, and it's obviously different groups of people, and you're going to find good and bad people within each group, whether that's your nationality or your religion. So... There's also, you know, the idea that maybe we we can't comprehend probably 
I mean, we, we can barely comprehend other cultures unless we really travel the world, unless we really study them. Cult, other cultures do things that we would find abhorrent in our culture. And that's within our own species, arguably. So considering that the universe is, as, as we're, some people would even argue this, at this point it's, it's, it's hard to even converse about these things because if I say, well, the universe is big, people will say the universe doesn't exist. It's all a flat plane. We're in a glass bubble, we're in a snow globe or something like that. But the universe is so big, I, I imagine that whether or not there are advanced species in terms of how we define them, there are other alien cultures out there somewhere that are beyond anything we can, we can comprehend. But fast-forwarding back through that timeline, going back into the early 40s, when the uh, the Germans even detonated, they didn't call it an atomic bomb, they called it a disintegration bomb with a big mushroom cloud. I mean, it's in the, you can read some of this stuff in declassified documents, uh, pilot reports from that time period. I think there's some stuff in the National Archive. I've got, I've got copies of some of it where the, uh, the U.S. government was actually concerned about the German atomic weapons program because they were actively not only seeking but had actively tested uh, nuclear weapons so there's the idea that perhaps extraterrestrials made themselves known as a result of our tampering with um, the atomic structure of things and detonating these weapons in fact there's a u.s air force report the second official UFO investigation, Project Grudge, in 1949, where intelligence specialists speculated on the correlation between the dawn of the nuclear age and the increase in UFO visitation or UFO sightings. So this is in U.S. Air Force documentation in their official investigations where they said, quote, such a civilization might observe that on Earth we now have atomic bombs and are fast-developing rockets. In view of the past history of mankind, they should be alarmed. We should therefore expect at this time above all to behold such visitations. So even the Air Force in 1949 were not only well aware of unidentified flying objects, but in their classified reports at the time classified, in their classified reports and programs like Sign and Grudge, they were saying that they expect to see more UFOs as the technological capabilities, weapons, aircraft continue to expand in technological growth and capability. So the Air Force was very well aware of what was going on. And so if we rewind to the first few minutes of the show tonight where I said that Roswell was a series of events and not a singular event, I've always thought that Roswell itself was, and I know there are tons of people that agree with me. There have been, I've even seen, um, you know, p- people who have given talks about this before. I'm, I'm not by any means the first person to say this. I'm, I'm just simply suggesting that Roswell itself is a classical red herring. And I look at Roswell as, as being kind of similar maybe to the Kecksburg UFO crash because in Kecksburg, you had this story of an object falling from the sky 
and people said that it was bell-shaped, and uh, it crashes in the woods. Uh, they had, um, I believe the military was called in, but they had the site blocked off, and people said that they saw this object in the sky, and it was actually reported. It wasn't just in Kecksburg, but it was reported all the way from Canada down to Pennsylvania. So a lot of people saw this object, and then it supposedly crashed in Kecksburg. And the uh, little remembrance site they have at Kecksburg, I went there a couple of years ago. It kind of looks like a beehive. Well, a beehive or a bell. And that has led many to speculate about Die Glocke, the infamous German, the bell project, and that perhaps this technology was transferred with Project Paperclip and other programs at the end of the Second World War to the Allies, and that the U.S. military were flying one of these Bell objects, and that it crashed in Kecksburg. And so they create this story of an of a unidentified flying object, which I guess by definition it is regardless of where it came from, this object that crashes and... Uh, that's really all the information we get about it. The only difference between Roswell and Kecksburg is that Roswell became a national and, and gl- international global story that aliens had crash-landed in Roswell, New Mexico. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, there in Roswell, New Mexico, you know, that, that place there, all those military bases out in New Mexico and Nevada, it makes sense that aliens... Uh, you know, would would crash there if the military was there shooting them down. And then others would say, well, it makes more sense that they were testing these alien craft out at these facilities, and that's what happened is that it crashed out there. See, I just never understood why, if these beings are so advanced, so intelligent, why their craft are crashing routinely throughout human history. Because this goes back even before World War II, of course, you have reports of this, paintings of what we would call flying discs or flying saucers to reference Kenneth Arnold. I mean, this goes back centuries. So why are these objects crashing all the time? I mean, is it kind of like War of the Worlds where they're, they're very advanced and they've been planning an invasion for perhaps millions of years and then they uh, breathe our oxygen and they die? Is it is that something they just overlooked? Is it something about our atmosphere that their craft can't fly in? Maybe maybe it is like War of the Worlds, where maybe maybe they need a better air filtration system, or they need a better spacesuit. Maybe they can't live in our atmosphere, so when the atmosphere penetrates their little disc, they die, and then the craft crashes. But I just never understood why such advanced forms of technology, as we perceive them anyway, would crash so routinely here on earth but but then again we have to consider that maybe the technology that we perceive to be advanced is advanced in a different way and and maybe something that we would see, see as needing a complicated you know engineering process to manufacture it is actually not that complicated it's very simple maybe we're dealing with something from somewhere else but when i say somewhere else i'm not talking about another world i'm talking about another dimension. I'm talking about another plane of existence, a world that's not as we would think about it. 
And in fact, there is a very famous memorandum that was published out of San Diego, California. This was classified, published in July 8th, 1947. One of the headlines, the round, looks like the round rolling, but it's the flying roll, San Diego, California. It's a memorandum addressing the existence of these craft. Now, the date is dated around the time of Roswell. I mean, people say Roswell happened on the 7th. Some people say it happened on the 8th. Some people say it was like mid-July because the debris supposedly laid out there in the desert for a couple of days. But the, the, the official announcement that the Air Force had acquired parts from a UFO or something to this effect, right? July 8th. So the same day, July 8th of 1947, there is a memorandum published. I'm sure there are probably thousands of these that are locked away somewhere, where it talks about there are nine points in this memorandum. And it talks about part of the discs carrying crews Parts of the discs were carrying crews. Others were under remote control. This is not official Roswell information here, obviously. This is something that was classified, published the same date as the Roswell story in the newspaper. This is like a parallel story to what happened at Roswell because there were reportedly other crashes. There were other events that occurred and uh, Roswell was not the only one. In fact, there is a another document that I've got a copy of here. It was ultra-top secret, JCS file copy, and it was approved by Alan Dulles of the Central Intelligence Agency. This was from the War Department, and it talks about the extraordinary recovery of fallen airborne objects, not object, objects in the state of New Mexico between what looks like the 4th of July and the 6th of July, 1947. So this was, of course, a full day or two days, up to four days before this report from the Air Force and the newspaper came out. It goes back to uh, even the, there's a report of the 3rd of July of 1947 near White Sands Proving Ground, New Mexico, where they tracked two unidentified aircraft that then dropped off radar. So that report, which has an interesting um, has an interesting uh, uh, headline, Interplanetary Phenomenon Unit Summary. This was classified by the Central Intelligence Agency. And then this memorandum about what happened on Roswell, it talks about the disks. It says their mission is peaceful, though. The visitors contemplate settling on this plane not planet, on this plane. These visitors, it says, are human-like but much larger in size. They are not excarnate earth people but come from their own world. Now, this is the interesting part, if it, if it can get more interesting. They do not come from any planet, as we use the word, but from an etheric planet which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. In other words, they come from another world, another dimension, and it's a part of our 
dimension. It's part of our plane of existence. We just can't see it or interact with it. So going back to what the Air Force said in 1949, that such a civilization might observe that on Earth we now have atomic bombs and are fast-developing rockets. In view of the past history of mankind, they should be alarmed. We should therefore expect at this time, above all, to behold such visitations. In other words, the detonation of atomic weapons alerted something to our presence here, And as a result of that, here come the flying saucers, here come the UFOs, but they're not necessarily coming from another form of Earth-like planet or another world from, from some other part of our solar system or from some part of the galaxy. They're coming from another dimension. And this other dimension that they're coming from, it interpenetrates with our own dimension. And, well, according to the memorandum, they plan on settling here. And they look very similar to us. They're very human-like, but they're much larger in size, which kind of contradicts the reports from Roswell about these little teeny tiny bodies. I guess, in that context, Roswell would kind of be like a cover-up, but it's not covering up what happened at Roswell. It's covering up what happened at other locations, and it's covering up what the military and what parts of the government and governments around the world knew at the time about these visitors and where they came from. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this break. We're just getting started. There's a lot more to come on the broadcast this evening. Don't go anywhere. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK The Fringe FM. 
The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. This is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, helping people navigate the rough waters of the vast conspiracy at thehiresidechats.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, which you can find at caravantomidnight.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Hi, 
I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. A couple of astrophysicists published a report the last couple of days in the Astrophysical Journal about alien civilizations using the Drake Equation, which was introduced in the 1960s by Frank Drake. It's a formula that researchers use to estimate the probability that we might communicate with extraterrestrial civilizations in our galaxy, the Milky Way. This does not account, though, of course, for the possibility of extraterrestrials coming from extraterrestrial planes of existence as opposed to extraterrestrial worlds within our solar system, within our galaxy, or within our universe. That Maybe these beings come from another dimension, as we were talking about in the previous segment. These researchers from the University of Nottingham in the UK, working under the assumption that it takes the same amount of time for life to evolve in the distant reaches of the galaxy as it did right here at home, have narrowed down that estimate to just 36 civilizations in our galaxy that could be alien civilizations that are advanced. Using this calculation as a guidepost, the scientists charted multiple scenarios. One end of the spectrum is a weak scenario, where it takes intelligent life no more than 5 billion years to form. And on the other end, there's a strong scenario where it takes intelligent life between 4.5 and 5.5 billion years to blossom. According to the scientists' calculations for the strong scenario, there should be anywhere between 4 and 211 complex civilizations that have the ability to send signals out into the universe, with 36 being most likely. The closest of these complex civilizations ought to be around 17,000 light-years away from Earth, orbiting a low-mass M-type dwarf star. That was published by Popular Mechanics, June 15th, 2020. You can find the actual journal from the Astrobiological Copernican Weak and Strong Limits for Intelligent Life headline at the Astrophysical Journal, Volume 896, Number 1. Just type in the Astrobiological Copernican Weak and Strong Limits for Intelligent Life, and you'll find that. Or you can type in the Popular Mechanics article, Looks Like There Could Be... 35, 35 to 36 other alien civilizations in our galaxy, published June 5th, 2020. You remember when you used to watch these alien shows on television, maybe you still do, I don't really watch cable anymore, but they always would talk about, they'd always ask that question to the expert, and they'd say, well, if, if, if space is so vast, if it's so big, how are they getting here? Wouldn't they die before they got here? They'd run out of food, they'd run out of water. You know, but we're asking these questions kind of tongue-in-cheek, as if we're the ones traveling this great distance with our current level which at the time when I was watching these shows in like the 90s, early 2000s, the level of technology then was nothing compared to what the technology is today. But we're always asking from our point of view based on the technology that we have. So when they ask them, these experts on these alien shows or these UFO shows, you know, how could they get here, you know, if uh, if space is so vast? And you always get some kind of answer like, well, maybe they have some form of device that can bend space-time. And so 
Then you get like the Michio Kaku guy who shows you a piece of a blank computer paper and he's like, see, we're here on this side and they're here on this side. And this is millions of light years. And what if we fold the paper and put a pen through it and then look, it's a wormhole and they can just jump right through in our universe, in our galaxy. You, you get like an explanation like that, right? They, they even did that in Stranger Things to kind of show you the, the parallel worlds and the, 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 the interpenetrating of another dimension, another world. So that's interesting to think about. And I think it's kind of like, um, in, in a sense, if you will, it's kind of like the string theory of ufology. It's, um, it's like the, the, the pinnacle of theoretical physics, the pinnacle of theoretical ufology, where we've been so accustomed for decades and decades and decades, and really for more, more probably more than a century, for looking at UFOs and aliens, uh, various different names they, they went by over, you know, the last couple of hundreds of years, maybe demons, angels, you know, the military would call them aerial phenomenon. They, they've called them that since the 50s. Uh, so this thing about the Navy saying that they're unidentified aerial phenomenon, that's not a new phrase. Uh, I mean, I've got documents back in 1950 where they're calling them unidentified aerial phenomenon. So... Just, just to clear that up, if there was any confusion. But w- over the years, over this, over the decades, over the centuries, uh, you know, examining wh- where these beings come from, we always thought that they came from somewhere within our solar system. You know, maybe kind, kind of like a Mars attacks that silly movie, or or more seriously, War of the Worlds with Mars, or maybe they came from another galaxy. They they could have come from a galaxy that's not too far, far away. And we, we usually think that they're coming from somewhere within the physical worlds that we can perceive, that we can see. The reality is, over the decades and over the last century, our understanding of what we call reality has changed. And there were big, great, terrific advances in technological development as a result of the Second World War. I attribute technological advancements to humans more so than I do aliens in relationship to that 1940s, 1950s period in which we had the detonation of atomic weapons, whether officially the Trinity bomb or the Germans had de- had developed something called the disintegration bomb, which had a very, very similar mushroom cloud, lights up the sky, big shockwave. I mean, there were reports people had actually seen this thing. So the Germans likely had detonated an atomic bomb long before the Americans had with the assistance of the Japanese. And of course, that technology was transferred to the U.S. and then ironically dropped on Japan in 1945. But in this time period, the development of all these new technologies, modern rocketry and all this, People say, well, maybe aliens gave that to humans. I think that's a cop-out. I think humans can develop this stuff. I mean, look at Von Braun. Von Braun was like this high school to college-age kid who was building rockets, who was, who was recruited into the German military, and uh, he is the father of modern rocketry, just some kid. I don't think aliens need to be involved in the development of these forms of, of technology. Now, granted, you, you could say, well, maybe the aliens gave that person, you know, information. 
I don't buy that. I just don't buy that. I think that's a lazy way of looking at history, and it's a very, very lazy... It's an entertaining way, but it's a very lazy way of explaining the development of human civilization. Well, aliens just gave it all to us. Well, maybe if you sit on your couch and watch ancient aliens all night and you don't do anything else, maybe you think that. But there are people in the world that are advancing themselves and advancing. It might not be good advancement, but they're advancing technologies. They're advancing ideas. Humans can build things. You don't need the assistance of extraterrestrials. Does that mean that aliens haven't helped humans? Not necessarily. Because I'm of the mindset that, that at some point, w- within some context, aliens probably have contributed to human development. I just don't think that you know everything is the result of alien interaction. But more to the point, we think aliens come from another world, and, and they probably do. And in context with uh, all the declassified military documents, and go, go, go back to 1947 Roswell, because we're coming up on that anniversary. And this is like when the UFO community, this is like their Christmas. It's like their Christmas, their Halloween. This is all the holidays for the UFO community. They love Roswell. And okay, that's fine. But researchers, authors, journalists have pointed out that Roswell was not a singular incident. And in the public mind, Roswell is seen as a singular incident. Roswell was a series of incidences. And although we say it happened on July 7th, July 8th, 1947, even officially, the debris supposedly was laying out in the desert for a couple of days. So it didn't, like, crash exactly on the the 8th of July or the 7th of July, and then it was reported by the newspaper the next morning that the Air Force had, uh, the Army Air Force had recovered a flying saucer, flying disc alien spacecraft there were other crash sites and so it's kind of like i mentioned this earlier tonight the kecksburg ufo crash this thing was seen from canada all the way down into pennsylvania and then it supposedly crashed in the woods and you had a quarantine of the area and people remember what they saw they saw a bell-shaped object which led to speculation that it could have been the German Bell program, which was this bell-like object, supposedly anti, uh, was anti-gravitational. Uh, it was able to kind of levitate, and there were other properties reported about this thing that were very otherworldly. Uh, the ability to bend space-time, perhaps the ability to, some people have speculated everything, it's speculation, that's the key word, speculated everything from anti-gravity to time travel, etc., etc. So this thing was witnessed in Kecksburg, and the story, to me, just sounds like the craft was being experimented on, humans were in control, and the thing crashed. Because I never really understood why these advanced beings could come either all that distance or even if they pop into our world from another dimension, that they just crash so easily. But then again, you could consider the War of the Worlds story and consider that the aliens, although very advanced, they couldn't survive in our atmosphere, and so they died and their machines, their tripods, collapsed. It's kind of a 
anticlimactic in a sense. You know, these things come out of the ground, they go, and they start vaporizing people, and then they, you know, drink some water, take a breath of uh, earth air, and then the whole thing just collapses. Maybe it's like that. But then wouldn't you think, like, that was a flaw in War of the Worlds. I mean, I understood the story, but it was kind of like a flaw, I thought, because wouldn't these beings that are so advanced, couldn't they come up with like a better apparatus to protect themselves in our atmosphere? If they've been planning this for thousands or millions of years, why didn't they develop a means by which to protect themselves from our environment? I mean, that would be like sending astronauts in a capsule to the moon or to Mars and then just forgetting to pack spacesuits. <laughs> or it'd be like, you know, sending some team of divers in a submarine down to the bottom of the ocean and forgetting to give them wetsuits or, you know, compression suits or, you know, oxygen tanks or something. I just, I didn't get that about War of the Worlds. So I have a hard time believing that if that's the case and these aliens are coming to Earth and they're crashing all over the place, you know, they're crashing in the desert, they're crashing up in, you know, the woods, that these beings wouldn't have been able to devise better craft, you know, unless it's just kind of like, maybe they're just kids. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I just don't buy the, they're, they're crashing really easily. So it would make more sense, as some speculate, that these craft are being shot down, perhaps, by the military. But then it would also call into question, I'm just working through this whole thought process with you, then it would also call into question, once again, the technological capabilities of these aliens, because if they're so advanced, and this is just how we perceive it, it's probably nothing like how we perceive it, but if they're so advanced, how come the military can shoot them down so easily, and yet other craft can evade the military so easily. Are we talking about different species, different beings, civilizations, cultures, different technologies? I just don't see how if the craft are so advanced they can evade radar, activate nuclear missiles, deactivate those missiles, they can fly at speeds that surpass our aircraft today, and yet they can be shot down instantly. But only some of them, not all of them. There's a lot of inconsistency in the history of UFOs. And there's a lot of inconsistency in the field of ufology because, and, and this is nothing against the field of ufology. I, I, I love ufology. I love studying the stories of flying saucers and aliens and all that stuff. Uh, Cold War. I love all this. But I, I'm, I'm just skeptical of a lot of things. And as a result of that, you know, the UFO community doesn't really want much to do with me because I don't toe the line of ufology. You have to think this about Roswell. Well, I don't think that about Roswell because there are other things, there are other details, there are other documents that show that something else happened. And it's like, you know, the, the, the general public, if it's not about Roswell, they don't want to hear about it. You know, if they're interested in, in, the, in these things. It's like Roswell is, to make another analogy, Roswell's kind of like Jesus Christ, you know? And if you don't believe in Roswell, then you don't believe in the Son of God, and you're a heretic. I mean, that's what it feels I can tell you that from doing this almost 11 years. That's what it feels like. It's like, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, Jesus Christ, so I must be a Satanist or something. But see, that's the thing. Like, if I was to compare those two in an, in an analogy, it's not that I don't believe in Jesus. I just don't believe Jesus was the physical manifestation of the Son of God. I think Jesus was a real historical figure, kind of like um, 
uh, Muhammad. I know that's heretical, too, just to suggest that, oh, Muhammad, it's Islam. But it's like Roswell's the same way, to me anyway. It's like, I, it's not that I don't believe in Roswell, whatever that means. It's just I don't think what we think we know about Roswell is accurate. I think Roswell was a series of events, and I just call into question how these uh, advanced alien beings can be shot down so easily or they crash so easily. I'm thinking that maybe Roswell, like Kecksburg, was an experimental exotic craft that was very much developed by humans, and it crashed, whether that was remote-controlled or it was controlled by human hands. Now, that does not mean that I don't believe, as if belief should have anything to do with it, but it doesn't mean I don't believe in aliens or extraterrestrials. And that's, that's the problem. If you want to fix ufology, you need to fix that, that religious-like glitch in ufology. This idea that if I don't believe this story, I must not believe anything. No, I can observe all of it, and then I can make my own mind up. And it's funny because you get these guys in ufology, and some of them are cool, like you know R Richard Dolan. He actually doesn't live very far from where I live here in New York. But you get people like Richard Dolan, and Richard Dolan's a very nice, very kind, down-to-earth guy. And you can converse with Richard Dolan. But there are other people in ufology who you can't question. And it's nothing, to, you know, I would have Stephen Greer on this program, but I don't, what am I going to ask the guy? What am I going to ask him? Are you an alien? You know, why did you get into to aliens? Why did you stop, you know, why did you stop your job at a hospital? Like, I, I don't know what else to ask the guy. So that's why I don't have a lot of guests like this on. I have nothing to ask them. And I don't buy the... All aliens are positive and good. What's that based on? Your opinion? And that's fine. If that's, if that's Stephen Greer's opinion from what he's done, I perfectly accept and respect that. My problem is not so much Stephen Greer. It's the cult around Stephen Greer. It's the cult around these people where I'm like, well, I don't really buy that. I would think that they're just like us in a sense, you know, that there are some that will do bad things and some that will do good things. Just like with animals, there are some that will attack you and some that will love you. You know, and they'll attack you for different reasons, and some will love you for different reasons. I just don't buy that they're all good. You don't believe in aliens. Look, Stephen Greer's done this longer than you've been alive. And it's like, what are you talking about? We're not talking about belief. We're talking about information. We're not talking about what your beliefs are. That's something that just always really irritated me in ufology. And that's why ufology doesn't really progress much. It's the same reason why, you know, paranormal studies don't really progress much. Because you have all these TV shows where they're running in homes and they're like, are there any ghosts here? It's just all garbage. And then you have real UFO investigators, real paranormal investigators, and because a lot of what they do is is real, well, people aren't interested in real. They're interested in entertainment. And that's fine. But entertainment is not always real. When I, inter I interviewed a guy from the Discovery Channel, Mike Lebecki, and al although the Dyatlov Pass incident in 1959, February, in the Ural Mountains in Russia is a very fascinating story, and the story of Yeti and Bigfoot is, for me, not as fascinating, but it's interesting. And he just outright told us on the show, he said, well, the Discovery Channel was very nice to us, we had a lot of fun, but he said they fab they made up everything. They made up the Yeti sounds. They, Of course they did. It's all fake. It's entertainment. And then you get down to the real meat of the matter. 
or if you don't eat meat like me, you get down to the real vegetable of the matter. And you start looking at like all these declassified documents and the history of the atomic bomb, which plays a very significant role in the appearance of modern UFOs and modern ufology. And there's a different picture painted. I mean, if you've read like Timothy Good or you've read Jim Mars, you've read some of these other authors uh, have written about UFOs and things like this. You know, you read the Roswell story. You read about other things like ghost rockets. You read about Foo Fighters. I'm sure many of you know about the Foo Fighters, these little balls of light, uh, the ghost rockets. Uh, that's one thing that um, you don't hear a lot about in, in ufology in, anymore. I mean, because people aren't really seeing this stuff anymore. But this is like post-World War II towards the end of World War II, post-World War II, uh, these are the types of things that were being witnessed and seen and documented, and a lot of this was documented by the military. So you start looking at all these uh, declassified documents, a couple of things come to my mind. One, just like Roswell, there were other incidences and other things that happened, and I don't think Roswell was a singular incident, and I don't think that what happened at Roswell was anything but a story. I don't I just don't believe it. I, I think that something happened there, but I just don't believe the whole story. However, something probably did happen. I'm saying this simultaneously, something probably did happen at Roswell. There was a reason Roswell, New Mexico, was chosen to be the place where the United States faced its first alien incursion, if you will. There's a reason for that. Perhaps part of the reason is because Roswell is, along with these other um, so-called crash sites in uh, New Mexico, these other sites that we've, uh, we've seen the declassified documents about these other incidences, Roswell Army Airfield which was home to the 509th Bombardment Group. Roswell, located very near the 33rd parallel. The 509th bomb, uh, Bombardment Group was the uh, first unit equipped to carry nuclear weapons. And it was supposedly where one of the alien craft and bodies were taken after the crash in 1947. So, Roswell... Something did indeed happen there. What happened, that's open for speculation. But Roswell was also the location of the 509th Bombardment Group, the first unit that was equipped to carry nuclear weapons, at least officially, because that's maybe not as accurate when you consider what the Germans were doing. However, that is an interesting piece of the story. And with the detonation of those weapons, you had a U.S. Air Force official UFO investigation project grudge in 1949, a document that says such a civilization might observe that on Earth we now have atomic bombs and are fast-developing rockets. In view of the past history of mankind, they should be alarmed. We should therefore expect at this time above all to behold such visitations. Not only... Did the military have information about these visitors and denied that they did? 
they expected to see more of them as a result of the development of these technologies. I want to share something with you very quickly before we go to break. There's been this thing circulating the internet about how we've had a pandemic, we've got race riots, and these are mostly memes, and it'll say, you know, by August of this year, there'll be an asteroid impact, and then by fall of this year will be the fake alien invasion. And that's kind of been a comical thing circulating the internet. It's like, well, we've had a pandemic, we've had race riots, we've had attempted coups against the President of the United States, we've had um, basically uh, economic and perhaps even some forms of direct warfare with the world superpowers, China and the U.S. A lot of things have happened. The last one, I guess, will just be an alien invasion. It'll top the year off, right? Well, maybe That's not so outlandish, except the alien invasion that a lot of people are thinking about is probably not the alien invasion that I could say we're going to witness, but in some respect, perhaps we already have witnessed the alien invasion. And I don't mean like what Ronald Reagan said, war, what could be more alien than that? Maybe... Culturally, what we've experienced is part of an alien invasion. Look at the warring, look at the fighting, look at the division. The monsters on Maple Street. All you have to do is stop a couple of their machines. All you have to do is lock them down, tell the people that healthy individuals will get other people sick. You flip things on their head, and there are lots of Maple Streets. And we'll go to each one of them and we'll destroy each one of them. Maybe the alien invasion is well underway. In fact, Time Magazine even said that coronavirus could preview what will happen when alien life reaches Earth. There's a story back in March of this year we talked about. There's more coming up after break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books 
at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. This is Dave Cruz, host of Beyond the Strange, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, Check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry, check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover, or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. A reminder that the future is not some distant glimmer, but a bright light shining in your eyes. This is the future we are in right now. Where our phones are the first things that we touch when we wake up, the last thing we touch before falling asleep. Radiant. Seductive screens we so lovingly, endlessly gaze upon. Much like you're doing right now. Welcome to a future where our true reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome. Welcome to the darkness.
I hope you find it enlightening. Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. You can catch the show Monday through Friday at the same time each night, and you can catch a repeat of the broadcast immediately after right here on the Fringe FM. Listen on TalkStream Live, thefringe.fm. Visit our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to purchase one of our books, I have a book called The Technological Elixir that has a huge section on ufology, aliens, demons, and other dimensions, also the music industry and its relationship to these subjects. It's on the website in softcover and PDF, and it supports the show when you purchase one of these books, free shipping in the United States. But all of that is on the website at www.thesecretteachings.info to contact us. The email is rdgable at yahoo.com, r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Someone sent me a link to a UFO sighting last night or the night before last. Uh, Days are a little bit confusing here because of the time difference, but the Bangkok Post and some other news publications published this out of Tokyo, Japan, the appearance of a mysterious white object in the sky. This says it happened on Wednesday, so this would have been yesterday. A white object in the sky. Of course, people said that the object was a UFO. Some people said the object was North Korean propaganda. Some people said it has to do with coronavirus. I don't know what the hell that means. But this is all from the Bangkok Post. It's very strange. It actually kind of looks like if you saw that really terrible sequel to Independence Day, it was, I don't think it was even Independence Day 2. I don't know. It was like a B movie. It was horrible. But if you saw that movie, they had that white ball that when they activated it, it had all this information in it. And they were, this alien species was fighting back against the the harvester species that had come to Earth in the first movie. That's what this thing looks like. It's like a big giant white ball it's very interesting you could look this up if you just type in ufo and click news it should bring it up or type in balloon like ufo in japanese sky and that should bring up the story i'll post it under the show promo on facebook facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings on our the secret teachings facebook page and my personal page so you can see a link to that there are a couple of different stories about that man people just make some stupid stupid comments it's it's up it's the coronavirus what do you mean it's the coronavirus it's a it's a giant white object in the sky they're spraying the coronavirus damn people are stupid on the internet anyway let's move away from social media 
and those kinds of reports. And let's go back to the military reports. I pulled out this file here, ultra top secret, declassified. It was approved by Alan Dulles, director of the CIA. And it has to do with interplanetary phenomenon and an assessment of interplanetary phenomenon. What I found interesting about this article is, when I say article, I just mean like this particular article, this document, is that it deals with Roswell. But this is a document that is not on your nightly UFO show. Maybe it's been mentioned here or there, but I've never seen this. I've watched a lot of UFO shows. I've never seen this on one of those UFO shows. Maybe it's just been overlooked. I'm sure it's in a UFO book or two here or there. But it talks about Roswell. And I think the reason, this is my opinion, the reason this is not on your nightly UFO show, it's because this document does not confirm the UFO crash at Roswell in the context with which we typically view it. Coming up in a couple of weeks is the anniversary of the Roswell crash. And that's what we even call it, the Roswell crash, the Roswell incident. Really, we should be calling it the Roswell crash is because there were plural crashes or objects shot down. There were multiple crash sites. So the Roswell crashes and the Roswell incidences. But see, that doesn't sound as good. That, that makes it more complicated because we've all learned about Roswell as a singular incident. But if it's more than that, then not only do we have the question of did the Army Air Force lie to the public as part of some psychological warfare game to see how the public would react to the acquiring publicly acknowledging of a UFO, of an unidentified flying object, of alien bodies, how would the public react to that? And then pull the story and say, we didn't find a flying saucer, it was just a weather balloon. And I mean, that's just preposterous. In all likelihood, it's not, it's not, uh, hey, we found a UFO, actually it's a weather balloon, it's, we knew it was just something that was very human, and then we called it a flying disc, and then when we say it's not a flying disc, the public will think we're lying, and we'll use this as a psychological technique to experiment to see how the public would react to the existence of such a thing. And or we say that to create the illusion that there's alien spacecraft crashing on Earth, pull it so the public focuses those who don't believe the military or the government, and they believe in UFOs, and then they'll think that we really are covering up UFOs. But what we're really covering up are exotic test flights of craft that were recovered from the German military, for example. I think I even talked to Joseph Farrell on the show one time about that, and he, I think, I, I, I can't remember, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure he said the same thing. He felt that maybe Roswell was just a, I mean, there are a lot of people that think that. It's not, it's by no means me. A lot of people think that. But when you look at the actual details of it, it's a lot more than just, hey, Roswell wasn't a singular event. This document I have here is uh, supposedly one of those majestic documents. So, of course, and, and I'm with you if you think this, 
I'm with you that maybe these documents are published as diversionary tactics. They're published as part of the psychological warfare. I mean, this supposedly came from the Central Intelligence Agency anyway, so am I to believe that? See, it doesn't confirm my bias. I don't care. Let me get that straight. I don't care at all, one way or another, if Roswell was real, if it was fake, if it was both, if it was one crash, two crash, three crash, four. You know, that's the uh, the Dr. Seuss version. I don't care if there were bodies, if there weren't bodies. I don't care if tomorrow it's proven that Roswell was completely faked. It was completely staged. It doesn't shake my faith because I don't have faith in the ideology of ufology. I don't have faith in the study of ufology. I don't have faith in any of these things. I just want to go where the information leads me. So if you think maybe these documents are fake or they're fraudulent, sure, they might be. But even if they're fake or fraudulent, a lot of the majestic stuff still makes it onto those UFO shows. This one doesn't seem to get the same kind of attention. You always hear about the guy hotel memo. You always hear about little tiny documents here or there from the FBI that are talking about flying saucers, but I never heard of this one. I, I dug this up like a decade ago, and I've just had it in a file. It's about interplanetary phenomena, and it says the extraordinary recovery of fallen airborne objects, plural, in the state of New Mexico between the 4th of July and the 6th of July, 1940. Seven. Of course, if the objects laid out in the desert for a couple of days and it was reported on the 8th of July, this factors in, and this essentially is Roswell. It says this summary was prepared by Headquarters Interplanetary Phenomena Unit, Scientific and Technical Branch, Counterintelligence Directorate. Says that on July 3rd of 1947, radar stations in East Texas and White Sands Proving Ground, New Mexico. It's a really beautiful place if you ever get a chance to go there. Tracked two unidentified aircraft until both dropped off radar. Two, count them two marshmallows, says SpongeBob. Two, count them two UFOs, not one. Two that dropped off radar. The crash sites, two crash sites, not one, have been located close to WSPG, Site 1 was located at a ranch near Corona, Corona, approximately 75 miles northwest of the town of Roswell. Site 2 was located approximately 20 miles southeast of the town of, it's hard to read this, Sikora, it looks like. And it gives the latitude and the longitude. So, two crash sites. One of them near Corona, New Mexico, about 75 miles northeast, or northwest, excuse me, of the town of Roswell. And a second site, 20 miles southeast of the town of Socorro, New Mexico. Two crash sites, not one. It goes on to describe that the first reports indicated that the first crash investigators from Roswell Army Air Force that Site 1 had the remains of an Army Air Force top-secret mogul balloon project. When scientists, the document says, 
from the Los Alamos Scientific Laboratory arrived to inspect Site 2, it became apparent to all concerned that what had crashed in the desert was something out of this world. In other words, when Roswell Army Air Force personnel came to Site 1, they believed that they had the remnants of a military project, your mogul balloon. It was at Site 2, on the other hand, not Site 1, but Site 2, 20 miles southeast of the town of Socorro, New Mexico, that scientists from Los Alamos came. Los Alamos is where they were working on atomic bomb prior to this. Los Alamos also has supposedly been one of the locations where National Laboratory, they've done experiments on alien technology, so far as we're, we're told. Interviews with radar operators and officers from the Signal Corps Engineering Laboratories were tracking these objects on and off since June 29th. So we're going back more than a week before the official military newspaper report. The document goes on to describe the recovery at site number two. It says, because of the stringent security measures that were in place at both crash sites, you'd imagine that would be the case because one was a top-secret military project, supposedly, and the other was something, as the document says, and I quote, something out of this world, perhaps something out of this dimension. It says the team was not able to gain access to the several locations where wreckage and bodies are being held. That's what the document says. Again, I'm not reading this because I think it's 100% accurate. It very well could just be a fake declassified document from the War Department. But it shows that there was or there is a history of multiple crashes in that region at the same time. There were two crash sites. One received public attention. The other one, no, not so much. And one, funny enough, is called near Corona, New Mexico. All civilian and military personnel involved within the recovery operation had need-to-know access with proper security clearances. Several of the military police suffered nervous breakdowns resulting in one committing suicide the document states. It proceeds to describe, quote, I'll read you this entire section. As to the bodies recovered at Site 2, it appeared that none of the five crew members survived entry into our atmosphere due to unknown causes. Maybe they breathed the air, very much like War of the Worlds. So they asked a doctor, Detlev Bronk, to assist in the autopsy of one of the well-preserved cadavers and it to be carried out by a Major Charles... Can't read his last name here. From what descriptions the team was able to learn and from photographs taken by intelligence photographers... The occupants appear in most respects human with some anatomical differences in the head, eyes, hands, 
and feet. They have a slight build, about five feet tall, with grayish-pink skin color. They have no hair on their bodies and clothed with a tight-fitting flight suit that appears to be fireproof. Some of the bodies looked as if they had been burned on head and on hands. Their overall stature reminds one of young children. It is believed that there were male and female genders present, but was hard to distinguish. See, even the aliens, they had equality. The most disturbing aspect of this investigation was there were other bodies found not far from the first site that looked as if they had been dissected as you would a frog. It is not known if any field surgeons had performed exploratory surgery on these bodies. Animal parts were reportedly discovered inside the craft at Site 2, but this cannot be confirmed. The team was reserved judgment on this issue. So this is the famous New Mexico crash. Bill Cooper wrote about this, where they had found body parts of humans and animals. There had been several crashes like this and several reports like this where they found human body parts and animal body parts that these things, these creatures, were perhaps experimenting on biological life on planet Earth. Now, let's say this document which talks about two crashes. Let's say this document is totally fraudulent. That's fine. There's something else that perhaps is more important to address. This document talks about beings coming from somewhere else. There's two crash sites. They had been tracked by the military and the government for over a week prior to crashing, maybe being shot down. We focused historically on one crash site, July 8, 1947, Roswell, New Mexico, but we don't think much about the second crash site and what was supposedly found there, some very disturbing stuff. The military even said, hey, one was a balloon, one was something from another world. So if this document from the War Department is fake, let's say it's fake, there's another document that is just really out of this world because it doesn't explain the aliens as being five foot tall childlike it describes the aliens as being human-like just a little bit larger in size now maybe we're talking about two groups of aliens here totally possible very probable we're talking about two types of aliens however They're flying the same kinds of craft. This is a memorandum published July 8th, 1947. I don't know if you caught that date, but this was published July 8th, 1947. That was the same day, if you know your Roswell date. That's the one thing everybody knows. Roswell, when did it happen? Well, it happened over a couple of days, but July 8th, 1947, the Roswell Daily Record newspaper published a front-page article with the headline, RAAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. So the same day, this report is put together. And this report says, Part of the disks carry crews. Others are under remote control. Their mission is peaceful. The visitors contemplate settling on this plane on this plane, meaning they come from another plane. These visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. They are not ex-carnate Earth people, but come from their own world. And this is where it gets really freaky. 
They do not come from any planet, as we use the word, but from an etheric planet, which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. The bodies of the visitors and the craft also automatically, and it looks like the word, I, can't, I can barely make this out, automatically blank on entering the vibratory rate of our dense matter. And it has the word aport in parentheses. You know what an aport is? A deport, you get rid of something, right? It's like when your keys go missing, you can't find them. Paranormal deports, something vanishes. It goes missing. Your sock in the dryer is like a deport. An aport is when something just manifests. It appears. So this is in the document. They're saying that these craft basically just appear and then disappear just like that. But they're disks. Point seven of this memorandum, the disks possess a type of radiant energy or array which will easily disintegrate any attacking ships. They re-enter the etheric at will and so simply disappear from our uh, our vision without trace. So it kind of sounds like those vaporizing lasers from War of the Worlds. People just go up into smoke. Now this was published the day of the Roswell report in the newspaper. But it tells a completely different story about these flying craft, these disks. It's not talking about Roswell. It's not talking about little teeny tiny guys and gals, aliens. It's not talking about craft that crash really easily in the desert. It's talking about something coming from another plane of existence, another world, another dimension. And this is just around the time, it's the day of the infamous Roswell incident as it's recorded, time of all these atomic weapons tests and the speculative history of atomic weapons and how detonating atomic weapons not only alert beings from out there but beings from over there that we have this technology and perhaps these weapons are strong enough not only to split an atom but to split the dimensional veil and allow these beans to come through easier. Perhaps the detonation of atomic weapons was an alchemical ritual to summon, to call forth Aleister Crowley's lamb. Like John D. before and Edward Kelly, many have attempted to call these beans into our dimension, and perhaps they succeeded in the 40s, and we're experiencing the ramifications of that today with everything that seems so strange, bizarre, and otherworldly occurring in our world. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We'll be back in a second. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, 
Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. This is Reverend John M. Polk from johnpolkmedia.com and you are listening to KTLK, The Fringe. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm. Call the station at 501-777-5631. Or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM.
Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Hey guys, it's Giorgio Tsoukalos from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. your host and you are listening to the secret teachings radio broadcast right here on the fringe fm the fringe.fm is the network website our website www.thesecretteachings.info if you go to the website you can find all three of my published books if you'd like to check those out the one i'd recommend tonight for the subject matter we're discussing is called the technological elixir which also deals with UFOs and aliens. I have a section on UFO cults as well. A little bit of a pet peeve of mine. It's all on the website. You can also find our show archive there. www.thesecretteachings.info Back in March of this year, Time Magazine published a really interesting article. I'm not a fan of any kind of like magazine or mainstream source of information, but Time Magazine published an interesting article. At the very least, the headline is interesting. It says, Coronavirus could preview what will happen when alien life reaches Earth. It starts out by saying, maybe we ought to recognize this whole thing about looking for life on other worlds. It would be nice to find it, of course, but that doesn't mean we could handle it biologically, epidemiologically, and most importantly, emotionally. And if you read the article, it goes on to describe that COVID-19 is a terrestrial problem, one that has not a lick to do with space. And yet consider that even as the virus rages, NASA is poised to launch a new rover to Mars in July, just a few weeks from now, that will look for microbial life and gather up some rock and soil samples, which we brought back to Earth, potentially contaminating that microbial life on a later mission. They go on to describe in the article a scenario by which something is brought back to Earth and it leads to the spreading of some form of alien disease, what they call backward contamination, contamination of Earth by extraterrestrial life. Now, I thought that the story about the coronavirus at this time in March was made even more interesting by a suggestion out of China that what we call the coronavirus anyway came to Earth on space rock and kind of like venom from spider-man it comes to earth on the space rock and then people get sick now it's not necessarily a pathogen per se it could be some form of living biological entity 
I mean, this this was suggested. I'm not saying it's real. I'm not saying it's true. But this was suggested around the time when everyone everywhere started to know that coronavirus was a thing, you know. So Time Magazine said this is something that might happen if there is a reverse contamination of bringing material from somewhere else to Earth. It might make humans very sick. And then you have the suggestion coronavirus was from somewhere else. I mean, it's, it's kind of like during the what we call the Black Plague, the bubonic plague, there had been, around the first major outbreak in the mid-1300s, a massive celestial event. And other plague outbreaks after that had occurred within the time frame of other major celestial events, suggesting that comets and asteroid strikes have poisoned the atmosphere and made people very, very sick on a large scale. Now think about what we call something from somewhere else. We always think that a little green, gray, pink person, thing, alien, is what's responsible for human abductions and cattle abductions and things like that. Other people think about insectoids or reptilians or Nordics or something to that effect. But of course, as all of you know, something extraterrestrial just means it comes from some other terrestrial plane. It doesn't matter if it's tall or if it's small. So let's say that the alien in question, maybe it's even some form of nanotechnology. This is just what we understand with our current level of development, but something of this nature comes to Earth and it makes people very, very sick. But maybe we don't get sick in the sense that we're vomiting, throwing up, and having trouble breathing and fevers. Maybe it's like a mind parasite. I'm just throwing out ideas here. The point is something from somewhere else is extraterrestrial. So circulating the Internet the last couple of months has been this idea that the final equation will be answered by an alien threat, but by a fake alien threat, an alien invasion that is staged. And typically, this references the assistant of Werner von Braun, Carol Rosen, who talked about the final part of this multi-step process of dominating the planet dealt and and justifying technologies dealt with terrorism asteroids and of course a threat from somewhere else aliens what if the aliens were actually really really teeny teeny itty bitty tiny what if the aliens were somewhere else and they were directing something itty bitty teeny tiny an invasion probably isn't going to look like tripods it probably isn't going to look like Spaceships in the sky. Another interesting report came a couple of months ago. We did a show on it called Deep Space 19. These 19 objects that were observed 
going back to, I believe it was at least 2017, it might have been 2015, were observed just sort of hanging out in the far reaches of our solar system. And they came into our solar system, interplanetary, around the time of Oumuamua and Borisov. Oumuamua, that really teeny tiny thin object that was very long, that slowed down and then sped up as it moved past the Earth. And then Borisov, which came in, which was reportedly acting strange. Scientists were saying it was strange because it, 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 it was as if it was, it was expelling something from the interior. Of course, the UFO people said, oh, it's, an ex- it's a, a, a propulsion system. And they were like, no, it just it means it was formed somewhere else. It came from somewhere, somewhere else. It wasn't from our solar system. And then you have these 19 objects. And they're, they're interplanetary objects. So all of this is happening and all of this is becoming public at the same time that we have, in the last couple of years, the acknowledgement of military programs to study UFOs. Now, of course, those programs, you know, Louis Elizondo and the Pentagon and all that, they made a lot of people really excited, like, hey, this is disclosure. The military's been testing this stuff. They've been experimenting with this stuff. At least they've been observing it. They've been, they've been testing and experimenting with technologies, though, because the, the, the Navy said that they've got a, a new super-fast futuristic aircraft resembling a UFO. Remember that story back in April of 2019? I find it really interesting that... You have the New York Times report about the UFO investigations. And then it's not too long after that. You know, the Pentagon admits they, they study, they investigate UFOs. And then the Navy in April of 2019 says that they are changing their guidelines for reporting UFOs. And remember they used the word incursions, some of their... Ships had come under incursions from these objects. And then a year later, April 23rd, 2019, a year later, just last month or two months ago, rather, April 27th, 2020, the Pentagon declassifies the naval videos that show the UFOs after saying they weren't real, they are real, they weren't real. Here officially they are real, which is what I'm getting at here. It's very suspicious. The Navy designed a super-fast futuristic aircraft resembling what they call a UFO. And it's interesting, if you look at the diagram of it, the diagram of this uh, UFO, as they call it, looks like, uh, it looks like a Dorito. It's a, or it looks like a Dorito, or it looks like a Delta Wing. It looks like something, you know, people might refer to as the Aurora. Secret spy craft. And then in June of last year, the U.S. Navy was granted a patent on this theoretical aircraft resembling recently reported UFOs that could bend the laws of physics to fly through water, air, and space. Don't you find that kind of suspicious? You have the reports, and then the Navy suddenly has these craft, and it just kind of strikes me as odd, and it kind of sounds like Roswell. Look over here, we have flying saucers. 
oh my God, UFOs are real, aliens are real. Just kidding, they're not real. That was a balloon. It's a bait and switch. Wait a minute, you said it was a UFO though. No, we, 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 we didn't identify it right. That's our bad. But you're covering it up. That's a UFO. And while you're arguing, there's a second crash site where they're recovering animal body parts, human body parts, and debris from something that crashed or something that was shot down or for whatever, whatever the reasoning might have been. Some of you might remember this. Some of you might not remember this. Back in 2012... There was a declassified Air Force program about an Air Force supersonic flying saucer. You remember this? An aircraft supersonic flying saucer. It was supposed to reach top speeds between Mach 3 and Mach 4, travel at over 100,000 feet at a maximum range of 1,000 nautical miles, according to the documents from the Air Force. And if you look at this thing, it's called Project 1794 USAF, U.S. Air Force Project 1794. Look at the schematics of this thing. It's very, very interesting for two reasons. One the semantics of this thing look very, very similar, in fact, identical to the declassified documents pertaining to something called Project Silverbug, which dealt with experimental flying disks. Project 1794 looks very similar to that. You can find a copy of Project Silverbug online if you look it up. You can find a copy of this document online if you look it up. The second thing that's interesting is that this is called United States Air Force Project 1794. Well, what is 1794? It's just a scramble of 1947. And this is in the National Archives in the United States. Schematics and details of a 1950s military venture, Project 1794, which aimed to build a supersonic flying saucer. 1794, 1947. 1947, the year of the UFO. The year of Roswell. July 8th. Also the year of the declassified memo talking about the disks and the crews and the human-like features, though these beings were much larger. Document that said they are not excarnate Earth people, but come from their own world. They come from a planet that's not like our planet, a planet that interpenetrates with our own, but it's not perceptible to us. That document we referenced earlier, dated July 8th of 1947, says that the disks possess a type of radiant energy or a ray which will disintegrate attacking ships, kind of like War of the Worlds. The region from which they come is not the astral plane. They say it's not the astral plane. but corresponds to the locus or talus. 
students of esoteric matters will understand these terms. Now, do you know what aloka is? It's from the Hindu myth. It deals with planes of existence in other worlds. Now, from the Hindu and from the Indian texts, we get a long history of stories about things that resemble atomic weapons detonating. We get the infamous statement from Mr. Oppenheimer, quoting Hindu scripture about how I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. And he goes on to further speak about that. He said, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. It's actually audio of that speech, of that talk. And you know that if you looked at the history of the atomic bomb and the detonations of the atomic bomb, from White Sands to years prior, perhaps, with the Germans. The atomic bomb was believed to have had the ability to open portals to other worlds. J. Robert Oppenheimer said, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. That line was taken from the Bhagavad Gita, a 700-verse Hindu scripture written in Sanskrit, which focuses on a dialogue between a warrior prince named Arjuna and his charioteer, Lord Krishna, which is uh, an incarnation of Vishnu. In verse 32, Krishna speaks the famous quote, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, which refers to the destruction of time. After witnessing the Trinity bomb, Oppenheimer also said that this was not not, he was asked, how do you feel about the detonation of the first atomic bomb? And he said, this was not the first atomic bomb, but the first atomic bomb in modern times. Two years after the Trinity test, Oppenheimer said something else of interest. He said, the physicists have known sin, and this is a knowledge which they cannot lose. They've known sin. They've done something they shouldn't have done. Oppenheimer actually had his military and government clearance revoked because he refused to build the hydrogen bomb. The idea of opening a portal to another world is not new. You look at the long history of characters involved from John D. and Edward Kelly, who attempted to initiate the apocalypse, communicating with these otherworldly beings, to Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons in more modern times, Jack Parsons of the Jet Propulsions Laboratory, the father of rockets as we know them, Von Braun, the father of NASA, space travel. And a long history of this is saturated in ritual. It's saturated in and I mean this in a positive way, in occultism, 
things that are hidden. And it's just very fascinating why Oppenheimer makes these statements from the Hindu scripture and even in declassified military government forums, documents, memorandums, they're also talking about the beings coming from the lokas, other planes of existence. That These are the ancient gods, the ancient ones. And so then today you have statue of Shiva erected on the grounds of the Large Hadron Collider located along the Franco-Swiss border. It's near Geneva, Switzerland. And so you have, once again, another reference to the Hindu mythology. You have CERN built on a site dedicated to the god Apollyon by the Romans. In Hebrew, he was known as Abandon, both names referring to the destroyer, which is also mentioned in the Colburn Bible. Apollyon is the ruler of the abyss and king of an army of locusts that arise therefrom. This army of locusts are legions of chaos, welcomed into our world upon the opening of what are called the four watchtowers or gates, the opening of the portal between our world and another world. In Revelations 9, 1 through 11, it details the opening of the bottomless pit and the rising of smoke and locusts upon the earth. None of this is coincidental or accidental. Even the U.S. Air Force said many, 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 many years ago, back in 1949, Project Grudge, talking about aliens in the nuclear age, such a civilization might observe that on Earth now we have atomic bombs, we now have atomic bombs and are fast-developing rockets. In view of the past history of mankind, they should be alarmed. We should therefore expect at this time, above all, to behold such visitations. And there were multiple crashes in New Mexico in 1947. Roswell Army Airfield, home to the 509th Bombardment Group, the world's first unit equipped to carry nuclear weapons. And our attention has always been focused on Roswell, Roswell, Roswell when there are reports of multiple crashes around that area. And the focus was always and has always been and remains on Roswell. Some authors and researchers have pointed out the other crashes, the body parts and things like that, if you read uh, Bill Cooper or you know the Aztec UFO crash or others. But this is not the history that we tend to remember. And in a couple of weeks, we have the anniversary of Roswell once again. 1947. I just want you to remember this as we approach that time. We've still got, what, about three weeks left. A lot of people in the UFO community get excited. It's Roswell, Roswell, Roswell. There's a lot more to this than Roswell. We're focusing on a little tiny piece of the history of UFOs and aliens and what should be looked at as something being more interdimensional rather than interplanetary, extra-dimensional rather than extra-terrestrial. Perhaps back in the 40s, these atomic bombs were detonated, and simply, you know, it made these other beings aware of our presence. Maybe that's the simple explanation. Maybe the simple explanation is their craft just can't fly in our 
atmosphere. Maybe they, like the beings in War of the Worlds, can't exist in our atmosphere. Or maybe it's something much more than that. Maybe the alien invasion is not something that's coming, 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 coming. Disclosure is coming, 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 coming. These are things that, like Roswell, keep us in a state of interest about a particular subject while behind the scenes the colonization efforts remain underway and are nearly completed. Coronavirus is the threat from other worlds. Coronavirus, not as a virus, but the pandemic itself is the threat from somewhere else. It is the fake alien invasion. Visitors from somewhere else, something from somewhere else, something invisible, something that's fake, a fake alien invasion, a fake pathogenic invasion, which brings the world, to quote Bill Cooper, under one world, socialist, totalitarian government. There's your alien invasion. It's not what we thought it was. They are not who we thought they were. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. Visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find my books there, softcover or PDF. You get the PDF with the softcover. Free shipping in the United States. They're all self-published. They're all on the website. That's the only place you can get them. If you see them anywhere else, it's a scam. You can also subscribe to our archive on the website. It supports you, the Fringe FM, and the Secret Teachings. It allows us sincerely to do this show Monday through Friday, same time each night. I'd like to thank you all for listening, staying with me the last couple of weeks while we've transitioned to a new studio and a new location. I appreciate the support. And I hope to hear more from you. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. 
read reviews, and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Music.